I work as a home inspector in Atlanta, Georgia. I've done more than a thousand home and building inspections in my time as an inspector. Just for context, the oldest house in this state is located in Savannah, Georgia, about three to four miles from Atlanta. The home that this story is about was built in the early 1900s. If you're not familiar with crawl spaces beneath houses, then you're lucky. A crawl space is an area under a house that's really just dirt. It's used for things such as storage or placing the water heater or HVAC units. Depending on how well the owners take care of the crawl space, there would be plastic covering the dirt and it would be clean. Most homeowners don't upkeep their crawl spaces. They're just covered in spider webs, bugs everywhere, pools of water, and the wood flooring is just covered in mold. This particular house that I was inspecting had been sitting empty for quite a while, and the crawl space was full of discarded trash and a very old furnace or boiler. You say it depending on where you're from. This crawl space was also very low. I'm a big guy and it was tough to crawl around. Some crawl spaces you can even stand up in, but for most you'll be crawling. I was talking to my clients and they were asking me to check specific things in the crawl space. After they finished, I began to squeeze myself into a fairly small entrance. I'm wearing my headlamp, a mask to keep my breathing clean, and what I call a crawlspace suit, which is just like a mechanic's jumpsuit. About six minutes of crawling around and taking photos and avoiding pools of water, my headlamp goes out. One of my fears that I have is crawling around under one of these old houses, and then the house will shift and pin me under it, and I'll be trapped. So when my light went out, it was completely dark in my mind. I just started anticipating that the home was crushing me. I tried rapidly to get my light back on. The stupid thing was constantly doing this at the wrong moments. Over my time doing inspections, I found a lot of things in weird places. Old soda cans, old shoes, clothing, signs. Most of it is pretty cool and sometimes people will let you have things. But there was nothing cool or interesting in this particular house. Or so I thought. My light finally came back on. And there in front of me, washed in a beam of my light, was a very old-looking stone wall. I could have sworn that was not there before. This was a small house, and usually the size of the house directly reflects the size of the crawlspace. I could see the entire crawlspace from any area. It was surprising that I missed this. What I noticed was that the wall was actually a part of a well. I consider myself an explorer, and before I could even take a photo of the well, I suddenly heard a voice. It said, help me. It was very ghostly and faint and of a person who sounded very tired. I thought I was just hearing things and then I heard, help me, I'm in the well, please. I began rapidly crawling towards the well. The area around the well had enough clearance for me to stand up on my knees. I glanced over the edge of the well while balancing myself with my hands They touch the cold, damp stone wall of the well. My light shines down to the well, and it has to be about 15 feet deep with about a foot of water. And sitting at the bottom was a dark-haired boy who was wearing old-timey pajamas who was clutching a soaked, stuffed animal. I couldn't even tell what animal it was. It was so deteriorated. I gasped and said, how did you get down there? And all he replied was, help me, please. I yelled that I'll be right back. I threw him my headlamp. I used my inspection phone to crawl back out of there. When I finally squeezed my way out of the small entrance, the client saw me and chuckled at my filthy appearance and asked me how it looked under there. 
I yelled at them to call 911. There was a boy in a well under there. They understandably looked confused as they had no idea that there was even a well in their house. I then began to dial and I ran to my work truck to grab rope. I would always have rope on me since I saw that movie, Boondock Saints, and one of the guys says, you can never have too much rope. I grabbed my length of rope and my extra headlight and I ran back to the entrance of the crawl space and I dove inside the small opening. I was crawling as fast as I could while the floor joints kept smashing me into the back. I could hear sirens in the distance, hopefully heading to us. As I said, wherever you are in the crawl space, you can see every area. But what I didn't realize was that with all of my aggressive crawling, I had kicked up so much dirt that I couldn't even see any space just a foot in front of me. I couldn't see where the well was. I called out, hey, where are you, hello? Just then, a very bright light pierces the dust in the darkness, and someone calls out, fire department, coming in. Three firefighters crawl over to me, all with sort of varying rescue equipment, asking me where the boy is. I tell them he's in the well. Now, four people are kicking up dust, and we all start making careful movements so that we can let the dust settle. Once it settled enough, we all started to frantically look for the well. We could see every area in this crawl space, and there was no well. There was no space where you could even stand up on your knees. There was nothing. I was completely confused. The four of us did some thorough investigating of that crawl space before finally crawling out and finding nothing. I was adamant about seeing that well and that boy asking for help. I could remember vividly feeling the cold, damp stone wall. I couldn't explain anything. I couldn't answer any of their questions. The police informed me that I need to be sure of something before I call 911. It was so strange. This was my first paranormal experience. And now I know how others feel and what the true definition of eerie is. I haven't seen anything like that since that day. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. One of my favorite things to do when I was a kid was go with my mom to department stores. I can't really explain it. I just loved everything that we got to do there, like hiding in the clothes racks, letting the makeup ladies put makeup on me and eye shimmer on me. It was just something fun to do with her. She would often take me to Nordstrom and would maybe spend an hour just sort of browsing, trying on a few things. I was always fine to tag along and waiting patiently, even while she tried on clothes. Only this trip was a little different. We were running behind all day, but she actually needed to stop to grab a gift for her friend's birthday, and she was set on selecting a perfume. At this point, the store was getting ready to close, but she insisted on just taking the last 30 minutes to go to the perfume counter and just go through some options with the sales lady. I didn't mind. I kept to myself, and I stayed somewhat close and preoccupied, just kind of browsing racks of clothes that were much too big for my size and my age. But as I browsed, I kept drifting further and further from the counter and headed to the back of the store where it felt kind of quiet. It started to feel like we were some of the only folks who were left in there. If it hadn't been so quiet, I'm not even sure I would have heard this, but someone whispered to me from behind. I turned in that direction, but 
I didn't see anybody at first, when suddenly, I heard it again. They whispered, come here. I was confused and startled because I didn't even know which direction to look. I wasn't even sure where it was coming from at that point, when suddenly the voice said, in here. Almost like someone was hiding behind a corner and just telling me to come to them. I knew better than to take one step further towards that dressing room, but I also felt myself frozen with fear as I knew how far I was in the back of the store and away from my mom and the sales lady. Now suddenly there's this person just feet away from me who's hiding in a dressing room and asking me to come to them. I started to slowly step back and look for a clear place through the racks of clothes, fearing that the second I made a run for it, I would hear the noise of someone chasing behind me. As I turned my head to look, I searched for the clearest way back to the perfume counter. I heard that voice say, you're not leaving me. And that was it. It took less than one second of hearing that for me to bolt as fast as I could through the narrow path between two racks. But just as I feared, I could hear it and sense it. Whoever was in that dressing room was definitely running after me and probably much bigger and much faster than I was. I could hear their steps. They sounded like thuds hitting the ground. I couldn't even stomach to look back for even a second, terrified to see what they actually looked like. I couldn't even think. All I knew was just run. Finally, as I was running, I just started to scream, which seemed to catch the attention of anyone who was left in that store, even if they were far. I could hear people starting to move in my direction. My mother called my name all the way from the front of the store, and I quickly decided which counter I was going to have to dodge to make my way to the clearest point of entry where I could get to the perfume counter. I ran to my right as hard as I could, but this was when I suddenly heard the steps behind me seemed to stop, but it didn't matter. I kept going. I could now see my mother, who was also running towards me, but at a distance. Within just a few seconds, I was with her and sobbing, claiming that there was someone who was chasing me, someone who was in the dressing room. Every employee seemed to come out of the woodworks and all looking around in different directions, and they searched towards the back of the store, but they couldn't seem to find anyone. To this day, I still feel uneasy about that experience. I don't really know who it was who was chasing me or what they actually wanted but I'm happy I got out of that unscathed. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at sax.com. The story takes place during the fall semester of my senior year of high school. That would have been about 14 years ago now. Every night after dinner with my family, I'd walk my dog Jesse down the street to a small field near our house. Two things you should know. One, my house is situated on a hill, and you have to walk over the top of it and all the way down to the bottom to get to the field lined with trees, lots of street lamps, so it's pretty well lit, but it can seem spooky at times. Two, Jessie is one of the most well-behaved golden retrievers I've ever seen in my life. She never barks at anyone, never runs off, she doesn't even chase squirrels. So normally, I don't have to keep her on a leash when we're just kind of walking down the street. Anyway, so I start walking her down the steps to the street, just like any other night. It was about 9.30pm and the sun is long gone. We usually just walk down to the middle of the road because there aren't that many cars that drive through. Jessie's not on a leash, but right by my side, as we round the top of the hill to go down, 
when all of a sudden, I see a woman walking towards us in the middle of the road. We're at the top of the hill, and she's just about halfway up, staggering in this weird, unnatural sort of way. She was walking almost like she was the ghost out of the grudge or some horrible Silent Hill character. But when I first saw her, I wasn't really scared, just more so worried to see if she was okay. I thought maybe she'd been hit by a car and one of her legs was broken, but she was moving along in a jilted but steady pace. She had long black hair and a dark dress and her skin was pretty pale from the street lamp's light. I didn't really know what to do or to make of the scene. I had just kind of stopped and was staring at her when suddenly, Jessie started running down the hill towards her, barking like crazy. I've never seen her bark like this before. I honestly feel like if someone broke into her house, she'd just kind of go up to them expecting to be pet. But here, she was growling ferociously, almost like she'd be ready to strike. I chased after her, only catching up to her when I was right in front of the woman, basically barking in her face. This woman didn't react at all. She didn't jump, she didn't put her hands out. She just stood there staring at my dog. I bent down, grabbing Jessie by the collar to pull her back. I was maybe two feet from the woman. I started apologizing profusely, but then I turned my head up to look at her and I stopped. I'm crouched down, looking up at her with the street lamp shining from behind her. And without me saying anything, I see it. She doesn't have a face. Not like her features were all mixed together, or kind of like washed away, like she literally doesn't have a face. It was complete blackness, like looking into the sky or staring at the blackness between two stars. I don't understand. I can see hair, I can see her neck, but I can't see a single feature between. I'm telling you, it was absolute and utter black, like a void. I looked into it, stopped dead, mid-apology, and she looks down back at me without saying a word. After a few seconds of us just staring at each other in silence, she turns away and looks back forward, commencing to walk again. I let go of my dog's collar, more in surprise than anything, and immediately Jessie runs away to the other side of the street. Chasing after her, I catch up and grab her collar again on the sidewalk now. It couldn't have been more than three to five seconds, but holding my dog again, I turned to look back at the woman, and she disappeared. At the rate she was walking, it would have taken her at least 30 seconds to get up to the top of the hill, but there was nothing. She completely vanished. At the time, this was weirdly the most unsettling part to me. What even just happened? Did that even happen? My dog had reacted to her too, so clearly I wasn't the only one who saw it. Slowly, I took Jessie the rest of the way down and watched she trampled around the field. The whole time I kept looking over my shoulder, deeply afraid that something was going to sneak up on me. All night, I became more and more bothered by what happened and thinking about whether or not it was real, trying to rationalize it away. Maybe the way her hair fell blocked the light, but I would have seen something, the tip of her nose, part of her mouth, but there was nothing, literally nothing. I have never had an experience so chilling in my life, and to this day, I'm still not sure what I saw.